welcome back to Communicate. I am your host, Eric Novak. And this is the second part of what has thus far been a fantastic dialogue between Lisa Martin and Natabara Rolosan on the origins of Immune Impact. In the first part of our conversation, we went over the main sequence of events that led to Immune Impact going from idea to reality. And boy, was it a doozy. So, listener, if you haven't yet played the first part, be sure to do so now so you can better contextualize what's ahead for Lisa, who is MUN Impact's creative director, and Arabara, who's a creative producer with decades of experience working with the UN. Right now, I wanted to focus a bit on some of the philosophical underpinnings of the SDGs. So, without further ado, let's get started. What I found particularly motivating about the SDGs is that the framework works well for a top-down approach where governments set the agenda, but it also works incredibly, incredibly well with a grassroots approach because it seems to be able to empower individuals, showing them that we each are able to actually enact positive change through our own accords and our own community, and that the sum total of all that we do will indeed also cause positive impact within sustainable development as a whole. Do you guys feel that as well? Well, I mean, I can only I can only speak for myself, but yes, I I would agree. Um, I think when some people look at the SDGs, they, um, you know, they focus on the big seventeen goals and uh, are unaware, you know, that what underpins that are are all these targets, you know, almost two hundred of them, and all of those. When you start looking at those issues, those are all issues that affect every single one of us, you know. For, for many of us, multiple targets. And so you don't have to go very far to see how all of this relates directly to people's lives. And this is why educationally speaking and from an MUN standpoint, I'm really, really focused at um, spreading awareness about the targets because that that's really what is the the, the engaging things that, that we need to deal with when it, within our communities. So, um, you know, anything that we can do to kind of deepen that awareness, I think is uh, is really helpful. I and I also know that some uh, educators and even administrators uh, like the SDGs because it also gives a bit of a framework to a lot of the service initiatives that they want students to do, whether it's in classes or graduation requirements. And so, what's been really heartening is to see how MUN can kind of support. Uh, those conversations and something that I'm, I'm hoping over the next couple of years we can really, really deepen because these, it is, it's a wonderful framework that I think uh, speaks to all kinds of things that, that we're doing educationally. I think the thing about the SDGs that's so special is that it's kind of almost the people's goals because a lot of times it's a top-down government, top-down kind of exercise of enacting policy and you know, trying to get change, um, you know, from a very centralized point. But in this case, the SDGs give every individual, every global citizen, the opportunity to participate, to engage, to embrace them. And there's a power in that because um, it also gives them a nomenclature, like a vocabulary that they can use amongst each other. I mean, that's one of the unifying things about the SDGs is that it gets everyone kind of on the same page before, you know, people were moving in all these different directions, rowing in different directions. Now everyone's rowing in the same direction. And 
when you give someone the opportunity to participate and embrace things on their own, there's an empowering element. And then they also see how they connect with others and how they can put pressure on politicians and government um, because now they have this language and these ways of framing these issues that they don't have to, you know, scurry to find them themselves. Um, they're all there. So it, it enables this global conversation, this global movement to move forward in a much more efficient and effective way. So when the MDGs were created back in 2000, um, there wasn't much fanfare. And it took like, it was about seven years in that they started to realize that, wow, people are picking this up. They're using the phrase phrases. They're using the language. Um, it's it's getting put into uh, policy and and the little icons they had they weren't as nice as you know the SDGs but they had little icons and they found those to be really helpful um, because the visual kind of branding um, helps with things so I think that's why they realized when the SDGs um, were first listed they wanted to um, get a professional uh, designer on board to really make them into something visual that then people could latch on to and identify with and get excited about, um, wear on a t-shirt, you know, so that they carry that message. They, they wear that message and there's something real special about that. And that's a very unifying thing to travel to another. I was on a train in Kuala Lumpur going to the airport and up popped the SDGs on the little monitor in the trains. And it was just so special to be on the other side of the planet and have them kind of spoken back to me uh, in that way. It, it's, it's really magic. You know, model UN students have a really powerful um, role and opportunity to ad advance these SDGs. Um, one story that really kind of has stayed with me was that I, I was visiting a school um, in Ethiopia and so it was a leadership academy and so uh, the students are involved in all kinds of projects uh, all the time and as they were sharing with me you know beyond their small uh, MUN club that they had just started all the other things that they were doing everything that they mentioned was directly related, not just obviously to one of the, the 17 goals, but to actually one of the targets. And I let these girls talk for, you know, 20 minutes or so. And I said, you know, do you realize that everything you're doing is part of this massive global agenda? Uh, and, you know, started talking about the SDGs, which only one student had really heard of. Um, and the director of the school later told me, he said, you know, MU, uh, the United Nations is seen as very distant. It's an organization for elites. And he said, in the conversation around the SDGs, you made these girls feel like they were part of the solution. And that has always really stayed with me because that is what the UN has tried to do, you know, from a branding perspective is, is so that we all feel ownership of these particular issues. And so one of my dreams is here over the next couple of years, we really, really help model UN students um, become almost like SDG consultants where they can take this powerful brand, the cool logos and go out and work in their communities to help others see that the work they are doing is actually aligned with this much larger 
agenda. Um, and I look here in California where there's lots of work on oceans, for example, but I have yet to see one uh, SDG 14 logo anyplace. And when I mention it, people are simply unaware. So uh, the brand is powerful. We just have to find a way to communicate that brand because once you do, uh, people just, they, they do, they gravitate uh, to this. And this is where I think Model UN students have a very powerful role uh, to play. Indeed, leveraging the willpower of the MUN community of today in order to influence the sustainable development progresses of tomorrow. That's uh, one of the key tenets of MUN impact. And I guess in returning to the whole um, creation of MUN impact situation and how that led to the movement that exists today, uh, you mentioned, Lisa, that the day after you um, talked originally about the possibility of MUN impact, the day after you had a knowledge summit which, where, where, where you coordinated more structural foundations for MUN impact. Maybe you can elaborate a little more on what was discussed that day and what the outcomes were. You know, I, I think the, the biggest outcome of that day, uh, well, there were two. The first was uh, really the creation of our mission statement. Uh, that process was fairly well underway by the time we finished up that, at, at the end of our session. Um, and the other was that there were a couple of people from the UN who were involved in those conversations. And so the upshot of that was uh, that there needed to be a way to bring that this energy and um, you know support of the SDGs, but but really the student energy and organization uh, to the UN itself. And so that was the beginning of a conversation that eventually uh, allowed MUN Impact to collaborate with the Department of Global Communications to launch an MUN Summit. Uh, which was modeled a little bit after the QLC. So um, that was one of the things that MUN Impact kind of in its early days was able to help inspire and shape. Um, and hopefully it's uh, the, the first of many. Very interesting, very interesting. And I suppose since then, obviously, MUN Impact has turned into a movement and has really reached out to thousands of students around the world. If you could briefly describe the sorts of successes that MUN Impact has had, I'm sure this could help our um, our listeners better contextualize how successful the movement has been. Well, I think the pandemic, uh, in a odd kind of way, really um, helped to energize this community because, really, at at, at its heart, MUN Impact's always been. Um, you know, finding those individuals, those MUN delegates who were out in their community already taking action to support the SDGs and sharing their stories and hold them up as examples of what we could all aspire to. So that was kind of the foundation. Uh, but, you know, what what's happened since the pandemic is that with everyone now moving their MUN activity online, it kind of became, I don't want to say a captive audience, but for those students that were looking to continue doing MUN, uh, they found us through word of, word of mouth and social media. And so what we've seen in the last five to six months is just a dramatic increase in our numbers. Uh, we launched an entirely new program 
called MUN at Home, which was modeled on, a, on an earlier online program for middle school students. Uh, and that MUN at Home has now uh, moved into a Spanish program that's being run by partners in Ecuador. Uh, and we're launching MUN at Home in Arabic in September and then in French in November. So, um, you know, that, that's one example of how I, I think this community has rallied around something that, that they love and, and wanting to promote the SDGs, but certainly doing so at a time where uh, students are feeling really disconnected from each other and desperately trying to hold on to some form of MUN engagement. Um, but I think, you know, th these are still very early days for MUN impact. And I think once we kind of get back out into the world again, I think there, uh, there are a number of things that we'd like to do. Um, summits and QLC style workshops and other ways that we can engage more directly out in the community. Because at the end of the day, this is, you know, what we're trying to inspire. We want people out in their communities actually working um, to, to advance the SDGs. Uh, it's just a little bit challenging at the moment. But um, Nadabara, what do you think? Because, you know, one of the interesting things also with the pandemic is that, that we have members on our board. Nadabara is, is now uh, on our board, um, as well as other, you know, kind of longstanding supporters of, of MUN Impact. The pandemic kind of locked us all onto our computers, you know, starting in March. And so it kind of brought us together in a way that hadn't happened before. Everyone, you know, leading their own lives and doing their own things. And so it created a different kind of dynamic at a leadership level for MUN Impact. Um, and, I, and certainly, I'm sure for Natabara, gave him a glimpse into something that we all were experiencing for the first time. So Natabara, what was it like to kind of see how, especially with MUN at home, how this all started to unfold in March and April? Well, it's, yeah, I mean, there's, there's the element of being kind of locked inside, but there's also this element of the need for community and um, also the need for substantive community community that's built around something inspiring, uplifting and dynamic and manifest something positive. So I think when you put those elements together, you have that MUN impact um, magic. I mean, one of the challenges we've been trying to, you know, deal with is, um, you know, there's always this temptation to try to monetize things. And a lot of model UN online entities that have sprung up are doing just that. They're they're charging money for access. And that's kind of what we call a barrier to entry because if we keep it free, it opens the door, it keeps the door open for anyone to participate. And that's why we see these beautiful, you know, students coming from Lesotho, from Nigeria, from, you know, uh, South America, Asia, all over. We're just um, keeping that door open and that that's what makes it so accessible and uh, meaningful um, for that kind of global conversation. And then, you know, along the way, we somehow got this crazy idea to do this global summit, um, <laughs> you know, and hats off to Lisa, because you, you kind of jumped in, you kind of led the charge on this, knowing what it'd take. And it took a lot behind the scenes and, just to see the excitement around it, the numbers, also the the feedback we got from UN officials participating, just so impressed with the 
students and their enthusiasm and their knowledge of the topics, their engagement. Um, for me and others who work at the UN, is so encouraging um, to know that, you know, eventually every generation has to pass the baton, but to know that there are students in this these, these young ages, comparatively to us, um, that are so engaged on these topics um, before they even get out into the world of the workforce and, you know, even university and all that, um, is just so um, encouraging to know that there are upcoming leaders that will be able to not only take that torch, but really run with it and make it burn even brighter. And, you know, that's that was also one of the benefits of the QLC. And I'm really happy to hear that, that, that some of that kind of spilled over into the online event as well, is that, uh, you know, it's, it's great for students to have these opportunities. But when you can bring in, you know, adult professionals, you know, in particular people from the UN, which is held in great, great esteem by, you know, so many of us and so many of our students. Uh, but for for adults to walk away inspired as well, uh, for the challenges that we face, these are going to require massive levels of collaboration and knowing that, you know, youth are very active partners, but, but they're but that they inspire adults. I think that is really, really important. And um, that certainly was always part of the magic of an event like QLC. And so for that to have translated into an online uh, environment, I think that's that's pretty special. That, that was unexpected and uh, certainly reason to continue doing more online events. For sure. Um, to contextualize, our recent summit had participants from over a hundred countries, and therefore this speaks very highly to uh, the decreased barriers of entry because we were able to have such a large amount of diversity. It was truly inspiring. And we're working hard for our next summit to happen in October, and we intend to eclipse even those numbers as well as the experiences themselves and truly leave a mark. It's important for our listeners to know so that they too can watch out and see if they would like to participate or to check out the results of that summit too. As after all, this is um, our continued effect as MUN Impact. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing I would just add that, uh, you know, when MUN Impact started, the conversation was really about action, you know, taking action in your community. And yet we find ourselves right now with, you know, a huge focus on the online component. And while that was unexpected, it has also, I think, proven to all of us that have been building these programs since March that whatever we're able to do eventually back out in schools and face-to-face -face events and, and initiatives, uh, this online component is here to stay because there simply is a level of accessibility that has never uh, been possible before, um, certainly from an MUN standpoint, but but just the kinds of conversations that we held at the summit. And so um, I think now, uh, again, unanticipated, we're very much an online program as well as, you know, hopefully a community, uh, a community-based program. It's just, this happened in an order that I don't think we quite expected. But We'll, we'll take advantage of this moment and build this network and 
continue to do these incredible online events. Well, the future is our oyster. As we bring this episode of the Communicate podcast to close, do you, um, Lisa and Narabara, have any closing remarks regarding the origins and start of Immune Impact? Things that you feel our audience should certainly know about the movement and the programs and uh, where we're headed next in this joyous roller coaster that has been Immune Impact's growth thus far. Well, I always say that MUN Impact was in, in many ways a movement that was there, but just needed a name and some direction. Uh, young people, at least the, the young people I have worked with in MUN, have always wanted to, you know, make an impact. They've uh, been involved in MUN because often they're uh, interested in these issues, and that interest and awareness carries with them into their adult lives. So I think uh, it's it's gratifying and exciting to see how um, being able to to put a name to a community and build a movement is uh, really touching a lot of people. And uh, it, it feels kind of like my life's dream. I have to be honest, uh, being able to work and build this every single day is I can think of nothing I'd rather do. And I'm grateful for, for all the students and all our leaders and particularly for Natabara for kind of taking this journey with us. And uh, it is early days indeed, but I think there are going to be some very special times ahead for the MUN Impact community. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it, it, I mean, things can just expand and expand and deepen. And when things do open up uh, a little bit more, um, we'll be able to bring that action element to the equation so that we're getting students um, enabled to develop projects in their local communities and also um, find projects that are being built in already in their local communities, but give them that SDG kind of branding and framework so that um, the people doing it understand how it connects with the rest of the world. And also that um, action is captured and added to the global efforts to, you know, meet these goals by 2030. So we have 10 years ahead of us, the UN has announced it as the decade of action. So let's all roll up our sleeves and get to work. I'd like to thank very deeply and humbly both Lisa and Narabara for partaking in the podcast. It really means a lot. And I think it's fantastic to orally propagate your stories to inspire and motivate youth of today in order to become the leaders of tomorrow and indeed this is the decade of action and to start the year with as many challenges as we have but having overcome them to a large extent as well as we have i believe that bodes quite well for the years ahead from a well-placed booth at the 2017 san diego comic-con to the qatar leadership conference to the knowledge summit to today a global movement that spans over 100 countries it truly seems that MUN Impact has established itself and has a bright future ahead for its endeavors. The only thing missing right now is the Indiana Jones theme song and that movement map showing world travels. So thank you so much once more, me, Lisa, and Narabara. I believe this is the start of something much bigger than any one individual could possibly dream of. 
And to our listener, if you enjoyed the content, don't forget to like, follow, share, subscribe, and show this podcast to your friends, all of which are pivotal for our continued growth and the ability to continue propagating this oral history of MUN education, the sustainable development goals, and the work of the UN proper. This has been Communicate. We yield the floor. Until next time. Thank you.